Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. In the Georgia governor's race, everyone is talking about the economy. These are historic times for the number one state for business. We have the most people working in Georgia than any time in our history. We have seen unprecedented levels of trade and commerce. Governor Brian Kemp says Georgia's economy is booming under his leadership. At the same time, he's painting a dire picture of the economy under President Joe Biden. Kemp is blaming Biden and the Democrats for inflation and high gas prices. Well, the only reason Georgians are worried about going into poverty in rural Georgia right now is because Stacey Abrams helped Joe Biden get elected president, and we have 40-year high inflation, and everything that they're buying, whether it's butter, eggs, milk, meat, is astronomical right now. Kemp's Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams unveiled her own economic package for the state this week. I will use our once-in-a-generation surplus to solve foundational challenges, not buy election year goodwill. And she announced a bold move to fund education programs. I know these plans for technical college and need-based aid are only as good as our ability to pay for them long-term. And that is why I am calling for a constitutional amendment to allow sports gaming and casinos in Georgia. How are candidates spinning their own narratives about the economy? I'm WABE politics reporter Sam Greenglass. I'm WABE politics editor Susanna Capaluto. I'm Emma Hurt with Axios Atlanta. I'm WABE politics reporter Raul Bally, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast from WABE all about the midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an and impact. I vote because I want leaders who care voting about Voting is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. Hey, it's great to have the whole gang together again. So Raul and Emma, you two were on the campaign trail this week where Stacey Abrams unveiled her economic package and Kim countered with more tax rebates. How is Georgia's economy really? Well, you know, as we alluded to at the top, it depends on who you ask. So Abrams is making this case that Republican policies both in terms of how the state's been spending its money on social safety net programs, for example, and in terms of the economic side effects of social policies like the anti-abortion law, how that paints a picture of a Georgia that needs help, especially rural Georgia, she says. And notably, she's not blaming anyone further up the chain, like President Joe Biden, for example, for larger forces like inflation. We should note that inflation did drop this past month, by the way. But Kemp, on the other hand, he's arguing that his own policies have been beneficial to the state and that that's what's yielded these historic budget surpluses and state revenues and the ability to do things like tax rebates. But the bad stuff, he says, is Biden's fault. Look, there's a little bit of good news out there. Gas prices are coming down. You know, I just filled up for $3.19 a gallon the other day. But what my family and other 
families are paying for their home expenses is still higher, like groceries and stuff. And, and also a big issue that I'm starting to hear are from my friends who rent their homes and their apartments and how they're getting hit. You know, um, Emma just mentioned that, that the consumer price index, the inflation rate, did come down a little bit. It's still going at about an 8% rate versus last year. And even if you take out food and gas prices, which, by the way, I think is silly. Um, you know, I'm an economist. Uh, that's what I went to, to college for. And I think it's silly when they take out food and gas prices. Still, that number is 6%, while wages only went up about a half a percent. Unemployment in Georgia, around 3%, 2 to 5% in Atlanta. But, you know, we talk about rural Georgia, where the, uh, you know, the unemployment rate is running a little higher, 4 to 8%. Still, also, a lot of job openings. All of this to say, bottom line, everybody's going to spin the numbers. It's going to come down to Governor Kemp selling that Georgia's doing great despite what's happening with the rest of the economy, and Abrams saying that Georgia can do better and that Kemp cannot have it both ways, that Georgia's economy is good while the national economy is bad. So into all this, how does this gambling campaign issue come up that Abrams brought up? So that was the most eye-opening thing for me at this economic speech that Stacey Abrams gave, where she said that she's going to push for a constitutional amendment that allows Georgia voters to vote on expanding gambling, including casinos, sports betting, other kinds of gambling. It has to pass the Georgia legislature by a two-thirds vote. That means it's got to be bipartisan. When you consider the number of Republicans who are anti-gambling, that path narrows. And so you really need this contingent of Republicans and Democrats getting together to get it through the legislature. The big issue at the Capitol has always been, how do you spend the money? Do you spend it on higher education and K through 12 education. And the other issue is the governor in the state of Georgia does not have to sign on to a constitutional amendment. Something that Governor Kemp reminded reporters the other day is his position has always been, I'm anti-gambling, but I'm not going to get in the way if the legislature wants to try to pass this through. And I think what's interesting here is to note that Abrams's position You know, in the past, she has advocated against some of the gambling proposals in the legislature. And she says that's because they were not sending the money to need-based aid, need-based scholarships. As Rule said, it's always about where the money goes. The question is, you know, would a governor um, putting his or her weight behind this issue change the dynamic for something that, as we know, tons of lobbyists have been paid for years to try to get passed in the legislature, and it's still stalled year after year. Now, Governor Kemp rolled out his own significant economic proposal for a second term. He wants to do another billion-dollar tax credit to Georgia taxpayers, and he wants to spend a billion dollars on a homeowner property tax rebate. Now, You may remember that Governor Kemp earlier this year did an income tax rebate. Most Georgians got about $250 each. Abrams has called for a similar rebate, but the difference there was it'd be only for folks making under $250,000. People ask, where is all this money coming from? There are billions of dollars of surplus dollars for the next governor of Georgia, whether it's Brian Kemp or Stacey Abrams. There's still $2 billion of income tax and sales tax surplus from 2021, $5 billion from the budget year that just wrapped up, the 2022 budget year. 
There's $4 billion in Georgia's rainy day fund, and there's still this chunk of COVID-19 money from the federal government. So fully expect more proposals from all candidates running for governor. Now, there are signs that inflation may be easing. President Biden had some wins this week, but Sam, they were overshadowed by the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago for classified documents former President Trump took from the White House. How will that play out in Georgia? Well, news cycles, they move really fast, as we all know. And now it's going to be up to Democrats to communicate these wins to voters on the campaign trail. Uh, It's true that Biden has had a really good couple of weeks after more than a year of bad news that kept his approval ratings in the dumps. Congress is passing a string of legislation, including this really big climate tax and health care bill that had been stalled for months and months and months. And many of these are really popular provisions. I mean, climate measures could help motivate progressives. Drug pricing could do the same for older voters. And also, as Raul and Emma mentioned, gas prices are coming down. Inflation seems to be steadying, at least, even though prices are still way higher than they were last year. The question now will be, do these trends continue? And also, can Democrats connect those wins to tangible changes in people's lives. Uh, You know, the Medicare drug pricing provision is super popular, but it doesn't take effect for several years from now. And remember how Biden signed that big infrastructure bill? Some polls have found people don't even recall that it passed in the first place. So let's stay a bit on the campaign trail here, though. Herschel Walker's mental health issues from his past were used in an ad this week. Emma, you've been watching this race. This is the first time that we've seen this footage of Herschel Walker's ex-wife outlining past domestic abuse uh, incidents that we've known about this whole time. We've talked about them on the podcast. He wrote a book talking about some of them, but there is really powerful footage of her telling the story of him, for example, holding a gun to her temple. And this is a complicated issue because Walker has talked about this in the context of his mental health, blaming his diagnosis of disassociative identity disorder. And that has neutralized this attack in some way when why we haven't seen it directly from Democrats before. He says that he's friends with his ex-wife now, and he is now using this attack at again to remind people that mental health and his past struggles with it are something he's not afraid to lean into and be accountable for. But it is still powerful footage. And obviously this this dark money group, the Republican Accountability Project, we don't exactly know who's funding it, but it is very anti-Trump and anti-Trump endorsed candidates is uh, made a big bet that it might sway some Georgia voters who are on the fence about Walker. And the Warnock campaign, on the other hand, let, let's just talk a little bit about what has his message been this week? Well, look, Warnock has been in Washington, and that's something that Herschel Walker has uh, tried to use against him, saying, where is he? Where is he? I'm out here on the campaign trail, and he's not here. Uh, Warnock has been touting the wins in that massive climate tax health care bill that Sam mentioned at the top, including his $35 monthly cap on insulin costs. However, there was a big um, setback there in terms of the Senate parliamentarian ruling that only a limited version of that could get into the final bill, but a version of it did. And that is one of the wins that he's been, uh, his team and he have been talking about this week. Well, let's take a break. I'm Susanna Capaluto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022. 
Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022. Today with the full gang, Emma, Raul, and Sam. There's been what seems like a flurry of hearings in federal and state court all having to do with the Fulton County special grand jury that's looking into whether former President Trump and his allies tried illegally to influence Georgia's 2020 election outcome. Who wants to start unpacking this? I think the high level here to note is that what we're seeing in this flurry of court filings and hearings is the Fulton DA's prosecutors pushing to get testimony from witnesses who don't want to talk to them, including Rudy Giuliani, including Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia, people that the prosecutors, while their investigation remains secret, we do know that they want to talk to them about efforts to overturn the Georgia election, to perhaps influence how Georgia election officials were operating after 2020. And at every step, lawyers for these people are fighting. And so just this week, lawyers for Lindsey Graham and Rudy Giuliani were arguing their cases. Rudy Giuliani has been ordered to appear. They're working out the logistics of that. Um, Lindsey Graham, we are still awaiting a ruling from the judge there. Look, the big thing that we're seeing is judges asking people, why should you not come in? What's the reason you shouldn't have to testify? And in the end, in most cases, judges are saying, you all have to come in. In the case of Rudy Giuliani, he had a recent heart procedure. And the judge said, look, I understand you can't take a plane to get down here, but you can take a train, you can take a bus to get down here. In most cases, the special grand jury is getting to hear from most people that they want to hear from. And I'll just add, we can only say so far, right? And based on what we know, because as this is a secret grand jury proceeding, the reason why we're following these tiny little court increments so closely is you pick up little clues in each filing. Um, For example, just this week, we really got a clearer sense that something they're looking into with Lindsey Graham is whether his conversations with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger were in some way coordinated with the Trump campaign. And so we're watching to see as this investigation shifts and as it zeroes in, does it get closer to former President Trump himself? And then just one new development I want to point out that happened on Thursday. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is reporting that Trump has uh, retained a prominent Atlanta defense attorney to represent him in these proceedings. His name is Drew Feindling. He's known as the billion-dollar lawyer. He's been profiled in the New York Times and has represented famous rappers like Migos, Gucci Mane, Waka Flocka Flame. And it's another sign that this investigation is heating up, though I will say that despite a lot of fanfare and coverage of the investigation in the last month, at least this week, it seems to have been overshadowed a little bit now by what's been going on at Mar-a-Lago with this FBI search. 
Also, there's been so much talk about whether Willis will subpoena Trump to testify in this investigation. And one thing we learned this week in a separate civil case in New York, uh, Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment rights and uh, declined to give testimony. So that could foreshadow what's to come in this Georgia case. Uh, One last comment. I was on vacation last week in Michigan, and even outside of Georgia, so many people are interested in this Georgia investigation. You know, I I saw my dermatologist, and she even asked me about Fonnie Willis by name and whether I was covering the investigation. So there is still a lot of interest in what is happening in Georgia. Wow, Sam. Now, you mentioned you were in Michigan last week. Here he is, having had a chance to step outside of Georgia for a bit and spend time in another battleground state. Did you notice any trends we've been following here in Georgia echoed in Michigan. Well, you know, Detroit is about 10 and a half hours up I-75 from Atlanta and obviously very different parts of the country culturally. But there are a lot of political echoes. Michigan had its primary last week and there are also big races for governor, attorney general, secretary of state. And two things kind of stood out to me that we've seen in Georgia, too. Uh, One is that abortion is a huge part of the race for governor here, just like in Georgia. The Democratic incumbent here, Gretchen Whitmer is painting herself as, you know, a very important check on more restrictive abortion laws being passed or implemented. Almost every tweet from her account is about standing up against restrictive abortion laws. And then the second thing that I noticed, Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger overcame this wrath from Trump over refusing to tout his 2020 election lies. But here in Michigan, candidates who have done that have not fared so well. Uh, For example, in West Michigan, uh, GOP Congressman Peter Meyer, he voted to impeach uh, Trump. Uh, He lost to a primary challenger. The attorney general nominee here is accused of tampering with voting machines, and that's now subject to an investigation. And the secretary of state nominee has touted election fraud. Uh, So a a bit of a different dynamic in terms of the Republican primary results and a reminder that the wins by Kemp and Raffensperger in Georgia really don't fully represent this bigger picture of what's happening in the GOP nationwide. I'm hung up on how you got to Detroit in 10 and a half hours. I flew. (laughs) That's what the Google Maps says it is. All right, before we go, what will you be watching this coming week? So I'm going to be changing gears this week, focusing on the Georgia Attorney General's race, also taking a look at what's happening with local district attorneys. And the other thing is, for now, Rudy Giuliani is scheduled to testify in front of that Fulton County Special Grand Jury. And for those who haven't heard, Stacey Abrams did test positive for for COVID-19, so she's off the trail for a little while. But I I am looking forward to hearing more details on her gambling proposal and hearing more details uh, from Governor Kemp on his proposals on spending Georgia state surplus. I'm really interested in spending some time with voters in the next couple of weeks. There is so much new information out there about the state of the economy, inflation, these new pieces of legislation being passed in Congress. We're now a couple of months past the abortion ruling. And I really want to hear more about what is resonating with voters. So I think this seems like an important moment to be spending time with voters and seeing what's on their minds. I think Roel and Sam have covered a lot of good stuff. I'll just add that I I never feel like I can really predict (laughs) Georgia politics anymore. Well, and that's it for this edition of Georgia Votes 2022. Thank you, Emma, Raul, and Sam for your time. 
Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE Politics Desk. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. Make sure to check out our other WABE podcasts, including Political Breakfast with Lisa Ram and TechCast with Emil Moffat. I'm Susanna Capaluto. See you next week. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on the ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org election 2024.